Welcome to the Labor Radio Podcast Network's weekly Wednesday live stream, where we interview labor leaders about current labor issues. On our February 3rd, 2021 program, we discuss the rise of fascism and what is our role in strengthening labor and working class solidarity to defeat this growing danger. Our guests included David Van Dusen, president of the Vermont State Labor Council of the AFL-CIO, Trent Willis, president of the Longshore and Warehouse Union, ILWU Local 10, Carol Lang, SUNY adjunct professor of history, and Mehmet Byram, Pacifica Media Workers Guild in San Francisco. This week's live stream was hosted by Labor Radio Podcast Network members Steve Zeltzer of Workweek Radio and Chris Garlock of Union City Radio. I'm Evan Matthew Papp for the Labor Radio Podcast Wednesday weekly live stream. Here's the show. Welcome, welcome to the Labor Radio Podcast Network's weekly live stream. I'm Chris Garlock from Union City Radio. My co-host this week, very pleased to welcome Steve Zeltzer from the Workweek Radio Show in California's Bay Area. Today, we're going to talk about the F word, that's fascism and independent politics and working class response to attacks on labor. Thanks, Chris, for hosting this program. And tonight's panel is going to be on the rise of the fascist movement and what labor should do in response and the, and the future of labor. So tonight's joining us, David Van Dusen, who is the uh, president of the Vermont uh, State Federation of Labor. And so, David, why don't you introduce yourself and talk about the resolution that you passed and uh, what your concerns are as far as going forward for working people and labor in this country. The Vermont AFL-CIO, from the start, took threats of a possible Trump coup long before the election, very seriously, some months before the election. We had a number of discussions with various leaders and various locals leading up until our October and then November elections. We asked our members to have a robust discussion debate about the ramifications of a possible coup and what we would be prepared to do in a reaction if that was to come to be. Our members overwhelmingly voted to authorize their executive board, which I serve on, to call for a general strike in the event that power was not transferred uh, away from Trump into Biden on January 20th. So we were prepared to pull that trigger. And this was something that we thought was very probable. And I think that what we saw on uh, the 6th with the insurrection in DC showed us that our fears were well-founded. Now, we feel that we got through this, we are lucky, but we can't rely on luck as a strategy going forward. We have to recognize that fascism, uh, which essentially Trump represents, is extreme and they have a playbook. And we need to be ready to take action as required, as necessary, to not only beat back their threats now, but those that may arise in the future. Well, David, uh, you had some uh, obstacles getting that, that resolution passed. Why don't you talk about that? Because there was some effort to stop it. Well, Steve, I'd rather not air all the dirty laundry uh, in public, so to speak, but let's say that there were some powerful people that opposed us taking that action. Uh, we talked about it, and there could have been ramifications for us as a result. We talked about this as leaders of the many different locals uh, in our state, and we 
came to the conclusion that there are times in history, moments, where you're either on the right side or you're on the wrong side. And if we weren't ready to pull that trigger then and there to call for a general strike and organize one here in the Green Mountains of Vermont, then when would be the right time? It certainly wouldn't be after a fascist uh, coup was carried out in Washington. I mean, this was either now or never. So you tell me, if not then, then when? Let's not kid ourselves. The structure of organized labor in this country is incredibly undemocratic. Right. It's not like a regular situation where you have one member, one vote. There is not a robust internal debate within the labor movement, at least within the sanctioned bodies of the labor movement. We need to change that. We need to be thinking about doing things like calling for a summit with affiliates all across the country, what kind of actions we're ready to take to advance a progressive agenda to make alliances with community organizations and to defend ourselves against the rise of fascism. I mean, we need to do much more than we're doing. In the old, old boys club, the old guard method of tackling politics and cozying up to a few key Democrats in Washington, D.C., it's ineffective. It hasn't worked. By what any measure you could take, it has not worked. So if we do not learn to grow, learn to be more democratic ourselves as we defend democracy, we're not going to be successful. But I'm an optimist. I believe we will do this. And I believe makings are there for this to happen right now. And also joining us is Trent Willis. He's president of the ILW Local 10. So welcome to this program, Trent. Maybe you can talk about this issue of the rise of fascism. The thing about the the ILWU that uh, makes me proud of being, not only being the president, but being a member, is that the first convention held by the ILWU in 1937, one of the first items of business was to absolutely prohibit any type of fascist, racist, or uh, sexist, or any type of discriminatory behavior within our ranks. And I was very proud to see that because that was back in 1938. And if you can imagine how how hard it was to take a stance like that in 1938 and the condition that our country was in morally back then, you can understand why me as an African-American born and raised here in America would be proud to be a member of an organization who, who would take that stance back even before the 40s. In my opinion, the fascist government usually is accompanied by an autocrat. <laughs> it's usually a system that is not favorable for working people. And this has been a known fact for a long time. And that is the direct opposite ideology of a union. Union's ideology is, is working people work together. We all feed each other and make sure we all eat, make sure everyone's taken care of. So those two ideologies are clashing and fascism is just one of the tools that uh, uh, controllers of systemic oppression use to divide workers. Because if you can divide workers and get them to concentrate on racism and being racist against each other, you know, uh, thinking about all of these, these, these side items, instead of thinking about uniting and coming together under common causes, then you as a, a, a person who is capitalizing on everyone's labor is getting away scot-free. But once those workers decide to say, hey, I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're Chinese. I don't care if you're Muslim. I don't care uh, if you're uh, a member of the LGBTQ community. 
I don't care about any of that. I don't care about identity politics and all of these different things that are thrown in the pot when we're trying to organize for workers' rights. If we can, if we can get to the point where we're organizing under one banner as workers, then there are gonna be a lot of very rich people that are gonna be in a lot of trouble in this country. Hey, uh, Steve, before you go to uh, Carol, I think she was up next, but do you wanna introduce uh, Mehmet? Yeah, Mehmet Byron is a member of uh, Pacific Media Workers Guild in San Francisco. He's a journalist and uh, particularly he's been reporting on the labor movement in Turkey and uh, the struggle there against repression. Yes, I've went through several fascist coups and I've personally saw what it meant for the working class. Fascism comes as the first attempt to curb down the demands of the working class. Because behind fascism lies the class conflicts. And who's going to get the output of the commodities that workers produce? That's, that's all there is. In so-called democracies, what happens is that you make the workers believe that it's a fair system, so they voluntarily give up what they produce to the billionaires, but under fascism, they don't care. They hit you on the head and get what they want from you. So you are kind of forced to produce to make the millionaires billionaires. So let's get Carolyn on this conversation. Carol, what are your thoughts? Well, I teach history in, um, at Bronx Community, and I was just having this conversation with my students about the rise of bourgeois ideology, hmm. but really th that basically covers the fact that capitalism and class conflict continues to exist. And in the, the good old days, you could say liberty, equality, fraternity, but as I tell them, in all of the constitutions, property is enshrined. And so the reality underneath that is the fact that there's class conflict. And that is not going to go, to go away, even if we talk about democracy and people believe, I mean, people believe that there's democracy and that's because that's what they've been told. But, you know, then you have all of these issues that are popping up, like, you know, systemic racism and, and, and imperialism and colonialism. And so we have to name the name. And this is what class conflict brings. I mean, democracy is the velvet glove and fascism is the fist. In my opinion, the problem is, is and I think like David ran into this, is the trade union bureaucracy, because in fact, they are unwilling to name the name. The real muscle is withholding our labor. And I think that we have to follow the lead of, you know, David and the Vermont, you know, AFL. And that has to be all over the place, all over the country. And we have to start mobilizing and saying, you know, we're going to shut this place down as long as there are th fascist threats. And fascists have to mobilize the shock troops. So in order to beat them back, the working class has to mobilize, not in, from union to union, but in a general strike across the country. And we have to make sure to defend the, the democratic rights of all the people who are being attacked. That was an excerpt from our February 3rd, 2021 Labor Radio Podcast Network live stream. 
You can watch the full episode by visiting our website at laborradionetwork.org. And you can follow the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using the hashtag LaborRadioPod. We'd love to hear from you. Tune in during the Wednesday live stream from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, and we will read your questions on air to pose to guests. The Labor Radio Podcast Network live stream is produced by Chris Garlock, and my name is Evan Matthew Papp, and I'm the executive producer, engineer, and editor of the live stream, and I host Empathy Media Lab's podcast on labor, political economy, art, and culture, and we're a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, which has grown to over 80 shows in five countries and serves as a one-stop shop for audiences looking for labor content and as a resource for labor broadcasters, podcasters, and content producers. Our social media guru is Harold Phillips of Working to Live in Southwest Washington. None of us are free. None of us are free.